Okay, so a Weetabix is um, a, a like a, a kind of tablet of like imagine if MDF was made out of flakes of wheat. Oh. it's the sort of thing you could inscribe commandments in and display to terrified wanderers in the desert. It's how how big is a Weetabix? About the size of a man's torso. <laughs> it's about the size of a smartphone. Yeah, there you go. It's about the size of a smartphone, but like not one of the massive ones that is now oh, yeah, on the way. It doesn't fold out into like two smaller Weetabixes. <laughs> yeah. It... No, that's Weetabix Plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of made of like compacted f- flakes of, of wheat. Mm. And then it... In its base form, it is hard and mm. dry, and then. But when when you pour milk over it, it then absorbs the milk and starts disintegrating into a kind of mushy pap. So it's mm. kind of, in terms of cereal, the worst of both worlds. Uh, yeah, but I like to eat it dry with butter on top. Alice will now have to ritually confess this as the opening to every podcast. listener to this the electronic wireless show episode 142 this is the best backstories in games special of uh rock paper shotguns pc gaming podcast the only podcast you need in my opinion i'm alice bell and i'm joined this week by matthew origins yeah that's the gritty reboot of myself (laughs) we'll we'll interrogate that concept later (laughs) (laughs) And Big John Halo. Hello, Cortana. Very <laughs> good. Uh, and I'm sorry if the, the, the bin men are on my streets. I'm sorry if that gets picked up on the audio. You might have heard them clanking about while I was trying to describe Weetabix. And special because, guest stars, the bin men. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I got a text from Graham saying that we had confused an American developer <laughs> by talking about Weetabix. Um to Jeffrey Card, if you're listening, I hope that kind of demystified the Weetabix. What what's the plural of what's this? Okay, so is Weetabix first of all singular or plural, or is it both? Is it like sheep? It's both. Okay. No, I think it should be plural. I like the idea of a Weetabix. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope I hope that demystifies Weetabix a bit for you. You could probably get them in those, you know, those themed. Uh, UK good stores that sell like proper um, Cadbury's chocolate and they're called like Core Blimey and you know they have all <laughs> mar- Marmite in the window mm. you could get one of them but because but it you know it is true that there is a, a big cultural gulf between 
North American food and our food. For example, and this is another thing that uh, Jeffrey brought up, pie. Now, because we could have pies, like cottage, cottage pie and shepherd's pie and fish pies in this country don't have a pastry lid. It's mash. <laughs> mm. Oh, the, the danger you're invoking here of another taxonomy war raging across the Discord for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to get on to the subject of like pies that aren't real pies who's got a pastry case on a ceramic no. dish. But isn't it, it, like, I, thought, uh, I thought there was a legal definition for this because of all that VAT business a few years ago. Do you remember? There was something about what constituted like a, was a pucker pie actually a pie? Oh, cut to Matthew crowbarring open the... <laughs> crumbled lid of an ancient sarcophagus within is the legal definition of pringles and jaffa cakes yeah oh god well well, jaffa cakes is quite easy isn't it because cakes go hard when they go stale and biscuits go soft Uh, that's that's it isn't it oh i'm gonna go but we just abandon all categorization (laughs) and just enjoy a chaotic spectrum of delicious foods because I just I remember there being a period where like the the future of Greg's hung in the balance based on like a particular definition of pastry. <laughs> like if if it went one way, like all their pies would then be a hundred pounds. If it went the other way, they could continue selling them for fifty p. Uh, it was it's quite an exciting time. Oh, my <laughs> not God. for Greg's. No, not for Greg's. Uh, those poor Geordies. Uh, but what? But the thing—the thing that most baffles me is the American definition of casserole, because here it's quite a specific dish, um, and and it's sort of like halfway between a stew and a soup almost. It's weird, but there is, you know, you get like a casserole dish with like a lit, like it's a it's a, hmm. it's a thing. It's quite a yeah, European continental thing, isn't it? Yeah, and and but like. In America, it feels like all bets are off for a casserole. Like green bean casserole, what's that? What's going on there? Like, is that the one with marshmallows? I think that's that. You take a sweet potato and then you oh, put that, more yes. sugar on it. <laughs> the green bean casserole, I've had that. Isn't it just some beans? I feel like a casserole in America, and I'm probably wrong, but from what I've seen, it like a casserole is if you just punt a load of stuff in a pyrex dish and then you bake it you got baby you got a casserole going <laughs> so it doesn't need to, it doesn't need to be a slop i know i don't i don't know i think there has to be Ooh. an amount of slop so it doesn't dry out but it's sort of it feels like a casserole is sort of a pasta bake but with anything oh interesting it sounds so, like the sort of thing that's named after someone like you know um you know how sandwiches obviously as we discussed have a backstory yeah. with a man yeah. I wonder if casseroles too have a backstory and who the the man is or the woman behind the creation. I think they're French, aren't they? Oh, I, I don't know. I was just uh, I was racing to the Segway Gold. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> because the theme of the podcast this week is Segways. No. <laughs> uh, oh, I messed up after all that. Backstories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this week is another suggestion from uh the discord 
And well done, Nate, for that masterful uh, backstory about segues. Um, yeah, we're, we're talking best backstories. And I was quite broad when I texted you guys. I was like, it can be backstories of people, places, all things. Because I felt like Nate would probably be like, there's a spear in Dwarf <laughs> Fortress. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's got me thinking about something else now. I might change my thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, you, you were going to be like, there's a castle in Age of Empires 2 that <laughs> when you click on it. Yeah. So I, w- I wanted to allow some flexibility there. Um, but uh, so Matthew, the gritty reboot of Matthew. <laughs> yes. Would would a gritty Matthew be someone that like ate all kinds of glistening food and like, well, I don't know. I like to think it's Matthew rebooted as beloved anti-fascist hockey mascot Gritty. Yeah. <laughs> Just you with a thick coat of orange hair and vast spinning eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going for. That's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> I love Gritty. Gritty's sort of like, he's like an ANCAP honey monster <laughs> <laughs> you don't see him around much at the moment maybe I, he's sick. I don't know when the hockey season is though oh he might be like hibernating yeah. yeah i was um i was legitimately terrified of the honey monster when i was a kid the Me concept too. of eating the, the transformation in the advert when the boy would turn into the honey monster is <laughs> kind of it's up there with like um you know, American werewolf in in London. You know, it's 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 proper like Cronenberg body horror. <laughs> I was afraid of the monsters off of the Monster Munch adverts. They all had like because they're like puppets. They all had like massive baggy mouths, and they just looked like they could eat you really like casually. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if this discussion too is very alienating for North American listeners. <laughs> Well, no, it's just like, imagine Gritty, but he's really into cereal, and if you eat his cereal, you turn into him. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the the Honey Monster's whole deal. Yeah, the Honey Monster is like Gritty's uncle, who's now in prison. (laughs) And no one talks about why. Mm. Uh, I really like Honey... honey. (laughs) Well, there's Tony the Tiger as well. We can all get behind Tony. Oh, yeah. They're Insane. great. Actually, yeah. I'll say that. Ashley was terrified he was always going to come up the stairs and murder her as a child. So. Oh, my oh. God. Yeah. Yeah. That cover, I mean, to be fair, Tiger's famously not cereal eaters. So. <laughs> yeah. He's got kind of big sheer Khan energy as well, Tony oh. the Tiger. Does he? Yeah. Like, yeah. They could be bro- They could be brothers. They just went down very different routes. No, but Shere Khan's really conniving and power hungry, and well, so is Tony the Tiger. But Tony's just a jock. He no, loves cereal. that's what he's like on the packaging. <laughs> like he can put he can put it on for the photo shoot in the adverts, but the rest of the time, everyone's like, "Yikes!" Oh, I tell you what, I had a, a classic zoo dad moment with a tiger at the weekend. Mm. We went to um, Dudley Zoo, which is our first zoo outing since, um, well, there was Crocodiles of the World, but I like to think of that as, uh, you know, a crocodile experience. This is our first full-spectrum zoo since the pandemic. And uh, there was a tiger right up by the windows of the tiger den, 
And Tally, my daughter, got up on the ledge to, to have a look at it and was sort of smiling at it. And then the tiger did a massive yawn. It was just doing a yawn, but it had its mouth open really wide right over Tally's head. And, like, I froze, and so did Ashley. And we both looked at each other after about five seconds had passed after the yawn. So that, like... Did your brain forget the glass was there? <laughs> Were you ready to like attack a tiger and die? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> it was, our hearts didn't stop beating. Like for well, they never stopped beating. Otherwise, we both both inspired. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you know, we were we were really pumped up for like an hour. Just because for one atavistic instinct, we thought a tiger was about to eat our daughter's head. <laughs> Was this where the uh, the picture of the sign... Nate sent me and Matthew a, a photo of a sign saying, don't bang on the glass. <laughs> yeah, that was the by the orangutans. Ah, uh, yeah. It's made me think of Matthew. Mm, nice. Yeah. We haven't talked about a game yet. Um, Ma- Matthew... My segue was way premature, wasn't it? No, it's my <laughs> fault. Um, Matthew, what... what backstory have have inspired your uh name this week uh well it's not really inspired by any any kind of origin backstory I, i've recently been getting into hades have you played hades uh, yeah. i got really obsessed with it recently yeah it's great and the thing i love about it is that uh you know it's got a kind of the roguelike thing you're constantly kind of doing the runs and you're improving as a character but like you're always being rewarded with like little little narrative snippets about kind of what everyone's deal is and everyone's relationships and you know why you've got beef with your dad and you're trying to escape from hell um and it's it's i don't know it's it's more and it's good the, the backstories themselves are good but it's it's more like how it serves up those backstories which is really kind of i don't know kind of caught my imagination yeah it's stuff i would have just scrolled through like feeling guilty at myself if it had all if it had all been presented in big blocks at the start but mm. the way it's drip fed to you in between bouts of like beasting fat ghosts yeah <laughs> well it's, it's like every time it's every time you, you die and you kind of get back you you know you turn back up at the the, the start again you know there's maybe like yeah, a few new dialogue boxes, a few, you know, a couple of people having a little chat and you begin to piece it all together and work out who's who. It's really neat. It's really neat. I don't know why I didn't play it sooner. I'm a big idiot. Thanks for that one, Poseidon, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, does, he says that a lot. He calls everyone mate. Uh, yeah, but mate. in 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 this really, like, unconvincing, like, privately educated kind of posh boy trying to relate to, like, a taxi driver way. <laughs> Like, well, maybe so maybe that is his relationship with the who's the river man? Uh, oh, um, Karen. Yeah, that's it. You know, maybe with him, he is. You know, there is quite a gulf between them. Mate, the sort of so son what? of hell and that guy. He's like, oh, yeah. all right, mate. It's a bit so, like me. You're talking to the guys when I was trying to borrow the traffic cones. <laughs> Hello, mates. <laughs> and Sisyphus, the boulder guy, as well. That's. That whole relationship is really like, you know, aristocratic lad chatting to the gardener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the gardener, I, admittedly, who's chained to a hedge for eternity. But... 
I love that. I love that the boulder has a little face. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, you can interact with it as well, which I only just realised recently. Can you? Because I just thought it was it was just a it just had a little face. You can give it some of the magical jocks wine. Can you? Yeah, I didn't know that. There you are, gameplay hints here on the EWS podcast. First, <laughs> surely. <laughs> yeah. You could talk to a rock and give it wine. Uh, but no, it's very, very good. Um, That's good. I don't know how... I, I'm going to put Adam and say I'm, I'm not great with um, like mythology, so I don't know how much of it is just regurgitating you know, actual kind of, I say actual, but, you know, known relationships between certain gods and certain stories, or if it's its own story, or or, or if it's kind of a mix of the two. Um, what's the read on that? I think it's it's mostly regurgitating known stuff, but with a bit of okay. a new spin. Um, and I, I like the way it gradually reveals stuff. Yeah, but by, you know, when you meet people over repeated gameplay stuff you know you don't get like info dumped straight away and you grow relationships with these people and learn more about Mm. them it's very good i know my mate ollie was doing a phd on the obscure myth that it is based on and he absolutely loves the game and if there's one thing i know about like working classicists in academia is they do get annoyed (laughs) When things stray too far off course. So I would call that a, a stamp of quality. Mm. I know that was all a bit my uncle at Nintendo. But... <laughs> <laughs> my my brother did classics at university and I tried to get him to play it, but um, he's not into roguelikes so much. Although he was tempted by uh, how cool the characters look in it, but I don't think Apollo's in it and Apollo's his favourite. <laughs> oh, but... um. Fast Boy, Hermes, that is Apollo, isn't it? No, they're different. Apollo is uh, Artemis's sister. Or maybe they're because the Greek and Roman ones are sort of... It's this one I always get really confused because there's Mercury, Apollo and Hermes all occupy the same space. They've all got magic boots. That's it, yeah, and they're all very quick. Also, the Flash from DC Comics, <laughs> and the smaller Chuckle Brother. Like, no, they're all I think... just in the same conceptual slot. I think I think Apollo is his own thing. I think it's Mercury and um, uh, Thingy are the the same. But I think Apollo is his own man. Oh yeah, well maybe they're saving him for DLC. Maybe. But it, anyway, Hades is very good. I like Who would the, you uh, go for a pint with out of all of the gods? Dionysus. Yeah, hey, man. No, <laughs> um, he's the one I, I like lean toward. Like, he's the one who's like boons I want because he, he, he kind of makes everyone sort of gives them a damage hangover and they're kind of, it whittles away at them so it does the work for you. Um, I, do, I do like Artemis's ones though. She does. You can stack some crit stuff with her quite well, I think. Oh, I, I, I never bother with crit in games in general. It's, it always seems like a gambler's access to me. <laughs> like, you know, this will really do well if you hit and you yeah. know, if you roll lucky with the dice. I always prefer buffs that, like, 
increase certain things by an unambitious but definite amount. Yeah. <laughs> Timid buffs. That's it. Things you don't have to think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm big into my passives. I don't want to have to do anything. If I have oh, to yeah. execute it, I'm like, nah. <laughs> Not interested. That bow in the game where you have to let it go at a certain point for it to do mega damage, um, which apparently oh. is the best weapon, according to Rock Paper Shotgun's guides on yeah, best I weapons. Yeah, I like it. I think it's great. Uh, oh, it's not the fists, though, is it? I, I don't think I've unlocked the fists yet. I, I love the, the weapon fists. that's just boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we should talk about another game. With backstory. Uh, well, I'll, um, backstory. I'll throw one in. Um, Big John Halo, my namesake, or me, in fact, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is, of course, uh, John 117, I think it is, off of Halo, mm-hmm. you know, the motocross man from the future, yeah. saved us all from the dogman. Um, and I, I got quite into the Halo lore, because I've, I've just got a, such a soft spot for it. And it's really low-key, and you wouldn't really pick it up from playing the games, but they've got a really horrible backstory. Um, So Master Chief is one of the Spartans, um, who are the big man super soldiers, and they were all kidnapped as young children uh, and given loads of, like, surgical and cybernetic alteration that killed half of them in the program before they were given their mega armor and sent off to fight the dogmen. And it kind of puts it in a whole new light Uh, because he he was just an abducted child uh, who was turned into a war machine. Could have been any of us. Could have been (laughs) any of us. That could be the gritty reboot of Matthew Castle. (laughs) You'd, you'd be such a terrible Master Chief. <laughs> People wouldn't be into Halo if it was exactly the same in every way, except he had my voice. I don't think Halo would be the thing it is today. <laughs> I want that mod. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Let's what? finish the fight, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can great. we have column as Cortana? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Oh, um, um, but what because I always assumed that he, he was you know the Spartans were just like well good marines who then got to be grafted into a super suit because they just loved their country or you know Earth, I guess, <laughs> that much well that's the energy it gives off definitely but you know a lot of the lore behind Halo is actually pretty interesting um, I don't know why. I, well, I think because essentially that the games need to appeal to really, really hammered bros, um, <laughs> so that they go light on 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 all of that. But I think this might have happened because um, they there were Halo books once upon a time. I'm not sure if there are now. The, yeah. the novelization went bad actually, uh, and I think they just like, oh, well, this guy needs to have you know, some character. And so they came up with this this whole backstory and, yeah, it was enthusiastically embraced as canon and it's just kind of there. 
uh, in mm. in the background the whole time. See, the problem I have with like more recent Halo is I th- I think it's now a little bit too in love with its own like backstory and lore and what was maybe like surfaced outside of the games like one to three is now like like halo five you had to basically watch a tv show read a comic read two books like to understand quite basic plot points and what was going on like characters would turn up in that game and to start carrying on conversations they'd been having in some other form of media and i found that that was that was backstory like overkill well, yeah, there's a difficulty, isn't there? At some point in the last 10 years, marketing campaigns became canon. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, that's really clever in a way, isn't it? Because you have to engage with all of the, um, you know, the pre-game material in order to... It's, um, it's interesting, actually. Jurassic Park's doing this in a big way at the moment because obviously the movie's got delayed uh, Dominion until next year. Uh, and so I think I did it actually as a recommendation a few months ago. They've been doing this animated series, Camp Cretaceous, which is kind of one of those things that's technically for kids, but actually really good uh, about some kids who were stranded on the island after everyone evacuated Jurassic World. And it's gotten really heavy plot-wise. Um, and I'm absolutely certain now that the next film won't make a damn jot of sense to anyone who hasn't watched three seasons of this animation. Right. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it will. It will be dinosaurs going berserk. Um, but... We were all like, why the hell is there a mecha John Hammond? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, if you'd watched Camp Crustaceous where they built him, <laughs> you'd out understand. Of, out of twigs and spam. <laughs> <laughs> Spared no expense. <laughs> 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 that's the um the trading card between the spokes of his single wheel making the noise of an engine uh, <laughs> uh. um i mean the interesting thing about halo is that halo is what halo 2 was i think the one of the first ever args um for the marketing which was i love bees um, oh yeah. yeah, that was where, ages ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I, I, well, it's one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done. But ARGs were invented by uh, a guy called Jordan Wiseman, who worked um, at Xbox, um, and I interviewed him to ask about it for uh, Video Gamer, but no one will read it um, ever again. But it was a really interesting because he basically they were looking for flagship. Uh, game games to launch with the Xbox, and it was around the time AI was in production. So Jordan met with um, Steven Spielberg, who talked to him about you know the story, and uh, it's like you know what AI was going to be, and uh, you know Wiseman's boss is asked if if the film was going to be a good basis for making video games and he said you know Wiseman said like I think it's you know an enormously emotional story and you know parents are going to love it but our core audience is not going to go for it so I don't think it's a you know a launch title game for us uh, and then a month later his bosses were like okay so we need to make six video games <laughs> we've licensed AI Um and so they were like, okay, well, we can't, like, what? So 
<laughs> so um because they couldn't make six video games based on like you know the intimate love story between like you know a child and a, a mother you know like an emotional familial love story um they basically wrote an entire timeline for plotting like the history of earth and the events of ai the film and then put these six games on it and then built an arg and hid loads of stuff in the marketing for ai so that it this timeline existed in the world uh and then they never made the games obviously but they did a similar thing with i love bees for halo 2 and it was really really good um but that's why aigs are sort of part of the marketing even though they're made by creative people who are, you know, think of them as stories and stuff, they they were always part of marketing rather than the other kind of infrastructure around a, a game oh. or a, a title. It's really Learn interesting. a new thing every day. I had um, a freelance gig a while ago doing uh, tourism ARGs. It was for a company that was doing like i mean the stories i wrote were quite good but i never quite understood the concept if i'm honest it was it was stories that you got like the travel agents would go to a location before you were there and stuff and leave clues around the place so you were going to like a lovely town in colorado or whatever and trying to solve a mystery while you were there oh okay so it's like part of the holiday experience a reason to use travel agents yeah my job was because there was a real travel agency but i was my world building job was making the fictional travel agency that you interacted with uh which had massive sort of twilight zone energy um and was a bit not of this world it was quite uh, fun okay sort of like that podcast everyone likes Exactly, like, you got like electronic wireless show. Yes, yeah, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. That's a good job to have. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, I thought thought of another good um, backstory. I love this one. Actually. Team Fortress Two. What is the backstory to Team Fortress Two? Uh, more than you'd think, actually. <laughs> uh, it's so, as I recall, it's. It goes back to like the 19th century and it's two brothers who've been given land to develop uh, in the United States. They're from somewhere else and they think it's going to, they're going to like strike it rich mining or something, but it's just like barren wasteland and their dad's gives half of the land to each of them and decides to let them like fight it out for the whole thing. And they they hire groups of mercenaries to do the fighting for them. And that's the plot of the game. And of course, because it's Team Fortress 2, it's extraordinarily silly. Um, but there's, you know, there were comics and everything and it's very good. Or I remember it being very good. Um... So yeah, they actually came up with a massive contrived plot to explain why these groups of vast-chinned imbeciles are blowing each other to smithereens in an abandoned factory. There you go. Blimey. You do learn something new every day. Yeah, check it out. It's fun stuff. 
Is that does, how, how do you know that backstory? Is it like in the game in some way? It was. I I never played much Team Fortress Two. My mate Mark does, or at least he did, and he used to just occasionally forward me the um, comics pages because they were very funny. There was uh. an Australian man called Saxton Hale. Um, who was enormously hench and had a big patch of chest hair in the shape of Australia um, and was just a very, very, very absurd parody of masculinity. He was great. Wait, is that the guy who wrote it or is that a character? That's a character. Right, okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were describing the author. I was like, wow, <laughs> that does sound like a character. <laughs> 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 I was like, "Well, that's unbelievable! What a wild dude!" <laughs> uh, Matthew, do you do you have any uh, other backstories? Yeah, I, 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 one one that I think I've mentioned before on this podcast, so I won't go massively into it. Is the um, the ridiculous backstories to Resident Evil, which I think people either extract from the in-game documents. What was that? That was me dropping a scalpel. Right. I was fiddling no, with no, it. No, don't. We're not going to ask. Okay, breeze past it. Breeze past it. We okay. don't have time. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the temptation is there. Um, but in yeah, Resident Evil had that preposterous backstory for who built the mansion and how he was basically tricked into building this mansion full of death oh, traps. Yeah. Um, without really knowing what they were for. And then the mansion was kind of turned against him and his family to murder them all so that no one could ever know the true secrets. The only person who would know was the kind of mad um, Spencer chap who built it. It was quite like the murder hotel in Devil in the White City. Um, You know, just the idea of trying to build something which is so obviously malicious that you have to kind of trick builders and architects into not knowing quite how malicious it is like they all work on different bits no one works on anything too incriminating um that's a good i like those kind of stories i did i remember once asking like the same thing about like all the the villains lairs in batman and stuff like who mm. is who is doing like the drywall on like the Riddler's big underground, right? Camp, you know, and it turns out that there is canonically like a secret society called like the Builders or something. Oh, really? Yeah, my friend told me, and I was I like, mean, oh, that's, you know yeah, what? That's, Fair enough. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, if you're in James Bond universe and you find yourself building a rocket launching site inside a volcano, you would be like, eh, something bad about this. <laughs> Or it's implied that Blofeld has just loads of in-house builders. And what's he do with them when they've stopped building? I don't know. Maybe they just get become henchmen and just, yeah. you know, get shot. Isn't that what the game Evil Genius is about? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to say, I, it's sort of, I don't know if it counts, because um, the Lich King in um, World of Warcraft, he's like the first big boss that there was. Um, and his backstory is really cool, uh, but it's also one that you can play out in like Warcraft three. So I don't know if it, it's not like a hidden backstory or anything, but it's really, really good. And that should have been the film, the Warcraft film that Duncan Jones was allowed to make. Um, 
Oh, yeah. That would have been so much better because it's this, you know, Arthas is like this prince and he's he's a, a paladin and he's this, you know, really upstanding kind of moral guy. And then you see him like kind of be- become uh, s- sort of, you know, by any means necessary, kind of corrupted and, and then... Uh, then he loses kind of the run of himself and then he's possessed by an evil sword and kills his dad and uh, oh. but, and but then refuses to be a puppet and sort of becomes his own amazing big frosty bad guy it's really good very very good kind of classic fall from grace kind of story that would have been an amazing trilogy of films but no um, with you all the way on that, you know I am. Thanks, man. Oh. <laughs> so, do you not have any strong opinions on Warcraft, Matthew? Uh no, not really. <laughs> so, not not very spicy or useful for this podcast. <laughs> it's so weird with um, like Blizzard lore, isn't it? You're either really into it or you're not at all. Mm. Yeah, I just don't really play. I don't really play any of their games, so I've just never had any reason to. To watch it, I watched the film Warcraft and didn't really get what the whole fuss was about. But that's because the film was a bit rubbish. It's great. It, it's I quite, mean, uh, it's quite it's quite earnest in a way that I liked. That yeah, I loved that. I loved how earnest it was. Like the the film was great within the confines of what Duncan Jones was made to do. I think <laughs> I would say. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. But if Duncan Jones had been allowed to, if if someone was just like Duncan Jones, make a Warcraft movie, here's millions and millions and millions of pounds. What a Warcraft movie we would have had! What can you do? Although shout out to what's his name, Travis Fimmel, the guy who's in Vikings and is an Australian, but has learnt to do a kind of vaguely Scandinavian accent, and he'll be damned if he's not going to do that in like. Apparently, anything he's in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Is he Australian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is not. Yeah, he's totally Australian. Yeah, but you wouldn't think so because he's playing Medivh in that film and he does them with this strange sort of IKEA voice. No, he's not Medivh. He's, um, um, oh God, what's his name? He's a Stabula. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's Count Stabula. Um, Medivh is. You guys in... are really into the Warcraft film. That's weird. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> but you really know the details. I know it had a goblin in it or an orc. I can't remember the Medivh actor's name, but he's in one of the um, Tom Hanks uh, uh, film things. That do you know? The... Oh, he's oh. the coconut in um, Castaway. Yeah, Wilson. yeah, that's him. It's not even a coconut, it's a football. God, we're doing a terrible job of this. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think if I had any other backstory thing, because the other ones I, I want to bring up are all things that I always say, like Neverwinter Nights or like Dragon Age Inquisition, brilliant lore in the Dragon Age universe. I had a little questione for Matthew. Hmm. Um, I know you've played the Doom games. It's occurring to me... Um, the, the Doom games have actually got a massive amount of lore that I find completely incomprehensible. Do you, you understand it? No, I'm I'm not really into it. Um, 
And I think they understand themselves that it's not for everyone because it's it's so kind of contained in, you know, the codex or whatever you unlock. It's it's not really in there. I mean, I'd say it's the one the one thing I'm not mad about in Doom Eternal is is when it does kind of force like narrative stuff on you a bit more. Like there's a bit where you go back in time to like the the place where they make Doom Slayers or something and he becomes I, I don't really understand it even what now. What is he? Does he work for God? I he, I don't know. He it's in that game. He kind of kills angels, he kind of kills demons. He he kills everyone. <laughs> I can't really tell who he's mates with or who he, who side he's actually on. I think the Doom Slayer is just for the Doom Slayer. <laughs> Fair enough. Which is, you know, I mean that's one way of, one I way of doing that. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that he was just again, it's kind of like a Master Chief uh, misconception. I thought he was just like a US Marine. Well, I think he might be. They've 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 like added a lot to him. Awesome. Um, I don't know if the one in the new games is meant to be different to the one in the old games. Um, yeah, it's kind of confusing. Hmm. Another backstory I like is, um, and it, again, it's one which is quite key to like how you play the game and that you know unlocking that backstory is the uh, uh the the main chap in Disco Elysium um oh yeah spoilers just because then, he's so drunk Elysium. that he's forgotten basically his entire character and you know that is a strand throughout that game is kind of piecing together kind of you know who he is as a person and i think you can kind of you can kind of get it wrong and sort of stick to the wrong version if you want um, you know, I think you know it's it's possible to play that game and think he, you know, not actually know his name or get his name wrong and things like mm. that. Um, but that's quite a fun sort of twist on getting to know a character in that he's like relearning himself after just an absolutely brutal night. <laughs> I've never been that hungover myself. But, uh... <laughs> no, that'd be that'd be pretty wild. No, I mean. Christmas 2009, I probably sort of wished I was, I couldn't remember who I was. I was that, I was so hungover. I was in so much pain on Christmas Day. Wow. It was really bad. It was, <laughs> it was like the first, it's like, was it 2009 or 2010? It was like just after I'd um, gone to university and then I came home and we started the night off drinking whiskey and ginger at, um, my brother's friend's house um and then we just went into whichever pubs would let us in in the company of my younger brother um who was 17 at the time and i got absolutely hammered and was i was drinking a lot of white wine and then also a lot of tequila <laughs> and then ooh, la, la. Uh, ooh, la, la. <laughs> and then i uh i i was taken home uh like absolutely properly, like disgustingly drunk. Uh, didn't remember being taken home and was like throwing up in the in the toilet at my house at my mum's house, uh, and was like, okay, I think I'm I can I can go home now. And they were like, no, you are home. And I was like, oh, good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was proper comedy. Like my little brother was the most sober of all of us, and like carried me up the stairs, but like was hitting my head against the banisters when he turned the corners and stuff. Nice. And then my big brother was like trying to force his way into the bathroom to look after me and was like, she likes me the best. 
Uh, and then I apparently said like, oh, it's okay, Morgan's looking after me, like my little brother. So then my big brother went downstairs and like was sat with his head in his hands at the kitchen table and his boyfriend was like, Harry, are you okay? And my brother went, they pushed me out of the bathroom. They pushed me out of everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then we were all like, none of us could stand for Christmas dinner. What an apocalyptic Christmas. Yeah, it was really bad. Sorry for that. I, de- I derailed the point. I am the derailer now. We all have our time. My time, admittedly, is most weeks. But uh, You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself. To derail the podcast. That's a, that's a line from Matthew Origins. If you love online shooters, you should listen to Ultimate Audio Bang, Rock Paper Shotgun's fortnightly podcast. Every second Friday, I, Ed Thorne, and I, Imogen Beckelling, chat about the latest news in Shooterland. We go in-depth on Apex, Warzone, and more in our weekly talking points. And we also tell you about the silly player names you come across. I once played Valorant with Joey Tribbiani. Subscribe to Ultimate Audio Bang on your preferred podcasting app, or listen to us every second Friday on rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, well, we should probably sneak in a little cavern of lies while we oh, can. Yeah. The cavern of lies. Ooh. Thank you, Anthony Hopkins. That was more Bane. It was a little, wasn't it? All right. So, Nate, it's your cavern this week. Yeah. And it's, uh, you may be unsurprised to hear, a little bit of an experimental one. Ooh. <laughs> um, so you get into the cavern and uh, it looks like an awful lot like a, you know, a expensively but slightly tackily uh, decorated, like well-to-do McMansion in New Jersey in the early 90s. Ooh. And there at the centre of it is a glum-looking Tony Soprano. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's uh, surrounded by his goons. Uh, you've got Silvio Dante with his slick back hair. Mm-hmm. Paulie Walnuts with his little, uh, little wings of graying hair at the side of his head. And you've got Christopher Moltisanti, uh, the fiery uh, young wannabe made man. And they're all wearing suits of enormous power armor. Right. Um, and holding dice. Right. <laughs> and Tony looks really despondent at the whole thing. Uh, now, look, there are going to be some bad Sopranos accents in this one. So okay. I'm just going to apologize in advance. Just, ah, I'm glad you're here. The boys, they've been playing too much of that Warhammer 40,000. Right. <laughs> they've gone crazy. They think. They think they're super soldiers from outer space or something. Who's saying? So, Tony, this is Tony. Yeah, this is Tony Soprano. Okay. Right. Um, Can um, I suggest you need to be eating cold pasta from the fridge whilst breathing <laughs> out like a pug? <laughs> oh, there's some breathing. Anyway, they won't stop going on about these, like, futuristic battle guys. And, uh,. I think one of them's lying to me. <laughs> right. I need you to find out who the rat is. Right. If they'll lie to me about Warhammer 40,000, they'll lie to me about those rat bastards from New York. Oh, yeah. 
So you need to find out which one of them's fabricating the backstory and so I can whack them. Right. There's so many layers to this. This is a Warhammer 40k cavern of lies, which has been given a rather inexplicable soprano skin. Well, I spent a lot of the week doing this Twitter thread where I've been photoshopping faces of soprano characters on Warhammer 40k art, and right. it's really the combo has really made me laugh. Good, right. So now it's going to be inflicted on you. Fantastic. All right. So what's what's going to happen here? There's only three participants in this week's cavern because. Mm. Um, it's quite involved. And it's Silvio, Paulie, and Christopher. And they're each going to tell you the backstory of uh, the founder of the Space Marine chapter that they play in the tabletop war game. Okay. Uh, and one of them is talking out of his bum. So, But they'll all sound like that because they'll be doing forced bad gangster accents. Okay. So, or one of them will be telling lies. So only one of them's like, okay. All right. Yeah. Just one. You need. Otherwise, Tony will whack both of you if you okay. choose the wrong one um, for casting a doubt on one of his loyal foot soldiers. So, who who do you want to approach first? You've got um, your Paulies wearing a s- sort of uh, pale green, sort of crumb de menthe coloured armour. <laughs> uh, you've got Christopher is wearing spiky red armour, and Silvio is wearing a mysterious sort of blue grey. Suit of plate armor. Should we talk to Paulie first? Yeah, wait up. Uh... <laughs> hey, so uh, I, 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 I gotta tell you about this guy Mortarian. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's a demon primarch of Nurgle, and uh, like all of the the emperor's uh, genetically modified sons, uh, he was thrown into the depths of space and, and in his case he was corrupted by Nurgle, he's the plague god you see Yeah. Uh, and he ended up uh, on the planet Barbarous mm-hmm. uh, which was a wild wreathed in <laughs> poisonous fog and steam engines and stuff you know like you're dishonoured okay, and, uh, wait this is the mid 90s yeah dishonoured yeah. doesn't exist yet my uncle at Nintendo showed me oh okay Sure thing, Pauly Walnuts. So, uh, yeah, so on the planet Barbarous. That's uh, so little, like Pauly Walnuts. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like him, but I'm going to forge on. <laughs> you sound like you... that. You sound like that guy. <laughs> you sound like the guy that runs the pizza shop in, in Futurama. I was going to say, <laughs> any gangster from The Simpsons. <laughs> I really should have considered this before I came up with a conceit for the bit, but yeah. alas. <laughs> So anyway, Motarian, he's fallen on this poison world, and uh, you got these necromancers who are enslaving the human population. Uh, they all live in these valleys filled with poisonous mist, and they're choking all the time. Uh, anyway, Motarian, he gathers the, the settlements together, and they lead a, uh, a, an uprising, but he's captured by one of the necromancers, right? And trained to be like his right-hand man, but he betrays him. Ah, and he climbs up to the <laughs> tallest mountain in the world, which is uh, free of the poisonous smog. No, no, it's even worse up there. It's even worse. And he nearly chokes to death trying to climb after his former master. Uh, that's when the emperor of mankind descends to him and says, Hey, you're my son. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry, Tom. <laughs> and he, he recognizes his true father and he goes off and joins the great crusade for the galaxy, but he's, uh, he's resentful the whole time uh, that his, his daddy had to save him from climbing up the poison mountain. And so he, he's, uh, he's bitter. And that's why he turns to the service of the plague god Noigel later on. Oh that's God. the story of Mortarian, the Death Lord. Whoa. Okay. Huh? You like it? Yeah, it's, I, I think that that sounds pretty legit. Yeah, it was sort of convoluted enough to have the Ring of Truth. I mean, if it was if it was a lie, it was clearly very cleverly prepared or an amazing bit of improvisation. So, uh, although there was that bit where he made a mistake, and I'm sort of like, did he make a mistake genuinely, or did he put a mistake in to sort of double bluff us? Or you know, uh, anyway, let's move on to Sylvia. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's me, Silvio Dante. Yeah, are you doing? Are you are you doing the Silvio mouth? Yeah, I'm kind of mumbling. Uh, I'm just going to stand like Stallone, but I'll run with it. I'll run with it. Uh, so listen, I'm going for a different vibe from, from Polly. Uh, he's uh, playing a chaos army. As uh, I am playing a loyalist space marine chapter. Uh, the, the, the sea lords. Huh? And that uh, I want to tell you about Cetus Bellina, who's their primarch. Now, like, uh, like Polly told you, uh, the, the Chaos Guards scattered the Primarchs all across space. And they were perhaps cruelest to this guy uh, more than any of them. And uh, he makes Mortarian's place look like a paradise. Cetus <laughs> uh, uh, got, got sent down to the depths of Pelagia, uh, which is an uh, ocean, the sea world. Uh, not like the place with the killer whales, but like a, yeah, an ocean planet. Uh, he was uh, raised at the bottom of the sea uh, by the terrifying fishmen. And because he was so strong, he could breathe water around him and he, he, he ripped sharks apart with his bare hands mm. and he battled squid with his mind. And, uh, but he craved something all that time. He craved his destiny as the son of the emperor of mankind. So... Uh, he swam all the way to the surface of the sea, uh, and he swam across the waves for five weeks straight, looking um, uh, for, for, for dry land, mm. and uh, eventually found a floating city, uh, which was lived in by the remains of an ancient human colony, and he gained their trust by slaying a giant sea monster. And... Uh, they did well under his leadership. They started building up the raft and stuff. And then guess what? The Emperor of Mankind comes out of the sky and says, Hey, you're my son. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> but you see, see this. He'd been prepared for this. He readily accepted because uh, he was already the boss of a, a big a matter of, of rafts and ships. So he was a great naval tactician. Uh and, and that's why the Space Marines that uh, I collect for the tabletop game Warhammer 40,000 uh, are, are very good at space combat. Okay, what's his name? Cetus Bellina. So his name's Whale Whale. 
hey, listen, there's other Primarchs <laughs> called Ferris Manus. This feels this feels like this feels like Nate bait, but that he's made. Uh, I don't know. I'm just suspicious of any sea creature chat when Nate's involved. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps I knew that coming in. Oh yeah. I'm not convinced by Whale Whaley McWhale, the Space Marine. <laughs> hey, listen. One of the Primarchs is called Lionel Johnson. Okay, like Lionel Johnson, the poet. They, they, they weren't subtle with the naming schemes in the Look 80s. This guy, he's swimming around punching sharks. I don't know. I don't know. There's too much swimming in his backstory. Swimming isn't like sexy lore. That like a guy you swam loads. I don't know. I'm not into that. Anyway, that's... Hey, it's, it's Christopher Mortisanti here. Christopher! Uh, you forget killed those my dog, Christopher! <laughs> I want to tell you about Angron. <laughs> Sorry, I just remember the scene where he gets high and sits on the dog and there's a little like <laughs> there's a little dog being crushed noise added. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's the pinnacle of black comedy of uh, the prestige drama era that was. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Now listen, I agree with you. You know, I, I, the swimming stuff's it's terrible. It's boring. Uh, and I don't get what Paulie's into. I want to tell you about this guy, Angron. <laughs> okay. he's, the, he's the Primarch of the Wild Eaters. Uh, he's, uh, like his name suggests, he's pretty angry. Uh, <laughs> Angron. So he ended up on the world of Nuceria, uh, which is uh, like a crazy, uh, like a Mortal combat kind of world, but kind of Roman as well. Uh, oh god I was ruled over by like a wealthy elite who lived in opulence and uh, the cities were full of slums they had to fight every day and lived in terrible poverty and uh, to stop them from having uprisings uh, the, the rulers of Nuceria they had massive gladiatorial death matches and huge arenas and they used to make cyborg gladiators and Angron was a slave on this world, and he got turned into a cybernetic gladiator. And they put a nail in his brain. <laughs> Why? To make him angry. Oh, right. To make him go absolutely bazoik every time he fought. <laughs> bazoik. <laughs> Come on. So he, he lived in a giant pit with hundreds of other slaves. It was filled with acid. And... <laughs> While everyone was roaring and cheering, he had to strangle them all uh, and climb up a pyramid in the middle. And he, uh, he was really sad to have done it. <laughs> but more than that, he was angry. He got bigger and bigger, and he kept to winning. And uh, that's why they called him Angron, I guess. And uh, he ended up in service to the, the chaos god Korn. Uh, who's also into new metal, and uh, <laughs> and now he's uh, yeah he he's got this cool spiky red armor. He's still got a nail in his brain. Wow. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I tell you, my so my feelings of the three is Paulie Walnut's toxic world feels kind of <laughs> feels sort of legit to me. 
I, Paulie I, I, Walnuts' <laughs> Toxic World would be an incredible clip show. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that. That's kind of okay. The other two, I mean, the fish hit, sound the alarm bells. The whole, it's like a, like, quote, like a Mortal Kombat world, but with some Roman stuff going on as well. <laughs> I, I, come on. <laughs> I, I'm still stuck on the C one as the light, and I'll tell you for why. Because to me, that sounds like it just has the energy of something that, like, Nate managed to get a meeting with, like, the the Warhammer, like, you know, concept team or whatever, and he pitched this whole group of sea-themed space <laughs> <laughs> And they were like, uh, uh, do you know what? You're so creative. We love your ideas. Um, maybe... <laughs> Maybe not this one, and he's just been really bitter about it, and now he's yeah. brought it to our door. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Putting the marine in space, marine. Because also, Cetus Bellina is, is he? him. He's called Whaley McWhale, but in I think kind of too clever a way, because like. Cetus is like a constellation or like a Roman god of the sea or something, and I think that that smells of Nate, i.e., fishy. So, all right, just to give a bit of defence on that one, um, as Silvio handfistedly tried to explain, the Primarch's names are not subtle. Ferus Manus is the Primarch of the Iron Hands, whose name means Iron Hands. All right, okay. um, Sanguinius. The Blood Angels, his name literally means blood. Yeah, then you've got Angron, though. That's also pretty suspicious. Uh, well, I was going to get to Angron, yeah, but I don't want to cast out on that for obvious reasons. I don't know. I just, I, I mean, Sea Lord. Yeah. Like, that sounds like what Nate bellows to his daughter <laughs> when they go to the beach. Like, Yeah. No. I, th- I think that one, that one's definitely... That one's ropey. I think we should. I think we should put a bullet in Silvio. Hey, I mean, that, that's I, my job. I love yeah. Sil, but I do think. Yeah, Tony, yeah. you should you should plug Silvio. Silvio, come over here. You got some high quality gabagool for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a bullet. Woke up this morning. That's the, um, that's the credits coming on. Uh, well done. You did. Yes. You did somehow find the liar in the pack. <laughs> but, you know, it, it wasn't about the destination. It was about the journey. Hmm. It was It was powerful. <laughs> Get out of my cave. All right. Bye, Tony. See you later. Bye, Gabagool. God, thank you for that uh, fantastic uh, realisation of Tony Soprano. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I've been... um, Yeah, again, I really should have thought about the voices. That, that cavern should have started with the HBO noise. Yeah, I'll see if we can get it. Probably can't. <laughs> oh, well, all that remains now uh, 
dear listener, is uh, for us to say goodbye. But first, we've got our recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, Matthew, what have you got for us this week? I have read, surprise, surprise, a work of Japanese crime fiction um, called Murder at Mount Fuji by Shizuko Natsuki. Um, Quite a small, tight little tale of people who gather at a lodge on New Year's Eve and a murder is committed, and but they kind of try and cover it up as a group. And it's kind of about them trying to cover it up from the police. And I, I quite like um, Will They Get Away With It stories. So it was exciting. It was a thrilling bedtime read. Wow. Thank you very much. Uh, I, too, surprise, surprise, have a book to recommend. Um, it's a um, true story. So, you know... Um, the suspicions of Mr. Witcher. Oh what, yeah. What got made into a TV show. Um, so the same author, her name's uh Kate Summerscale. Uh she's uh her most recent book is called The Haunting of Alma Fielding, uh, a true ghost story. And it's about um it's sort of interwar uh Britain got this big craze for like seances and the paranormal and because they all sort of had suffered so much loss and they wanted to be able to talk to you know their sons and their, their families and people who died um and uh a woman called alma fielding uh started experiencing a you know supernatural poltergeisty events in her home um and it's the story of her being investigated by uh this jewish hungarian um he's sort of like the chief ghost hunter for something called the International Institute for Psychical Research. Uh, his name's Nandor Fodor. And uh, it's about his kind of investigation. And it's really interesting sort of giving the context of the time and and this big craze for the supernatural at the time. And then also like Alma's experience and, uh, you know, the the way that her being investigated sort of drove on the, the stuff that she's doing because obviously it was not real <laughs> um, and, and so the the paranormal investigators sort of created this um, not a monster because she's she was just kind of a sad lady but um, became entangled with the phenomena and it's really really interesting uh, very good um, so that's hmm. mine Nate what have you got this week uh, actually it ties in uh, quite Quite neatly, I want to recommend some articles um, by Daniel Lavery, um, who's a very excellent writer. And after my obsession with the weird Sopranos 40K thematic crossover this week, a friend pointed me uh, to an article he'd written called How I Believe Various Characters from HBO's The Sopranos Would React If I Tried to Teach Them the Rules of Warhammer. Uh, which was published in February and is laugh out loud funny, as is much of what Daniel's uh, Daniel writes. Um, they've done quite a lot on The Sopranos, actually. So if you've ever seen that show, there's a rich vein of humour to be mined. And I'll um, I'll put the the link to Alice to go in the show notes. I always say as a note for listener, he never does. I always look it up by myself. <laughs> it's become a silent <laughs> running joke, hasn't it? <laughs> Um, we'll send it to uh, you now just to spite you yeah yeah how's the uh aquarium coming is there anything this week or are we taking a, a rest uh what's been going on this week i've just been enjoying the um 
the fun of having this osmosis unit going. It's really made my top-up um, schedule a lot easier. What's new? Uh, we've got pregnant long-armed shrimp, which is exciting. I've moved the, the little poorly pufferfish who uh, have been recovering from uh, internal parasites since I got them last October, uh, finally at full strength, and they've all now been put in various tanks. I've got a lovely setup. You remember the loaches? Mm. The Ken loaches? Yeah. Um, so they're thriving now, and them and the puffers live together in a beautiful setup I've made. Um, yeah, at, at the moment, I'm just really trying to spruce everything up and get it very presentable because I want to do a big tank tour uh, on on Twitter to mark a year since I got the first aquarium in this house, wow. uh, which is going to be in a couple of weeks. And poorly puffed fish is, of course, poorly walnut's cousin. <gasps> oh no! I'm going to call these three poorly Silvio and Christopher. <laughs> they haven't had names yet. Oh, hooray! Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, thank you. For this was an unusually off-topic, even for us, episode of the Electronic oh. Wilder Show, episode four hundred forty-two, the best backstories in games uh, special. Um, this is Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Um, but of course, at www.rockpapershotgun.com, and you can also find uh, more fun and games uh, for the podcast and uh, just games in general. Uh, on our Discord, the link to which you will find in the show notes. Uh, what else? I think that's it. If you want to tweet about uh, the Electronic Wire show or post on social media about us anywhere, please use the hashtag FatBlood, uh, hashtag BigOats, and hashtag YourGotSatSquad. Um, and rate and review us and give us five stars, please. Thank you. Mm. Uh, but until next week, uh, my name is Alice Bell. Uh, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from... <laughs> Uh, Matthew Origins and it's goodbye from me John Halo farewell bye everyone